everybody and welcome back to my podcast Esme's Country Life. Today I thought I would talk about a specific topic. I know in my previous episodes they've been very much like a bit of an update, a bit of you know what's happening in my life at the moment, um, sort of current things and today I thought I'd talk a little bit more about my past and also a little bit more about my jobs that I had before I did YouTube. So um not many people know this but I actually used to work at a vet's practice when I think I was 16 when I first got the job or when I first started working there and I have some really funny and interesting stories from um, my job and working there Um, but also I thought I'd talk about you know some of the other like smaller jobs that I had when growing up because I always find that's really interesting so um, I think the first sort of jobs I did was when I was I was quite young actually I think I must have been like 12 13 maybe kind of when I was like a a baby teenager um the there was a lady that lived down the road from us and she had a horse and when she was like away or that kind of thing I would look after her horse for her so often you know I just go over there give the horse a bit more haylage or hay muck out the stable that kind of thing give the horse a little bit of a groom and attention and she would just leave like a little five pound note or something um under a bucket for me and that was only down the road so I'd get on my bike and like cycle down there there was another um family that lived not too far away from me and when they were on holiday or when they were busy I would look after their guinea pigs for them so often I'd just like go down there um I was gonna say muck out guinea pigs that sounds a little bit excessive you know like you normally say muck out horses um I'd like clean out their hutch and that kind of thing and give them some food and give them some piggy cuddles and not many people probably know this about me but pretty much from the age of five four or five till um back in 2020 so how old was I been 19 like basically my whole life I've almost always had guinea pigs um so we actually had quite a few guinea pig babies we had um I think we've had two or yeah two different litters of guinea pig babies from different mums and um one of the guinea pigs we actually borrowed from our local riding school they had a male guinea pig that I think it lived with a rabbit actually and we were like could we borrow your guinea pig so we can have guinea pig babies? So I so this is so off topic, but um, I just remember when we had these guinea pig babies, me and my mum, we really wanted to watch the birth. This probably sounds absolutely insane, but what we did was we would we got a mattress, put it on the floor in the kitchen because they are guinea pigs um, in the kitchen at the time for when the birth was happening and things, and um, we slept there the whole night. And it was 6am when we would have been waking up anyway. And my dad just walked down and he was like, oh, have they had the babies yet? And we were like, no. And then literally, as he said that, started having the babies. So, um, yeah, there we go. (laughs) I think the exact same thing happened the um, second time as well. We had the second litter. I think last time we had guinea pig babies was probably, I want to say must be I think I was I was year eight at the time so I would have been like, like what 12 13 um we I have rescued or rehomed guinea pigs as well in the past so um obviously when it comes to animals pre- please breed and rehome responsibly um anyway so yeah I love guinea pigs I'm really sad that I don't have any guinea pigs anymore because our last one unfortunately um her friend passed away during lockdown they were really really old I think they were for guinea pigs, she was a good age. She was like seven or eight. Um, 
her friend unfortunately passed away during lockdown and she passed away like not that long afterwards because I know you're not supposed to have guinea pigs on their own it's really sad for them and really bad for them to be on their own they're supposed to have friends but because you know it was during covid times we weren't allowed to leave the house and that kind of thing we were as soon as like lockdown lifted we were gonna go and try and find her a friend although she was a very elderly piggy and then in the end she ended up passing away not long after so luckily she wasn't on her own for long I know that sounds horrible but yeah I've always had guinea pigs in my life so I used to look after our friends guinea pigs as like a little job when I was younger I feel like my parents never really gave me and my brother pocket money if we wanted to do something we had to kind of like work for the money um something else that I um did because I was a little entrepreneur back in the day I mean still now but um what I would do is we had a an orchard well we still do we have a little bit of an orchard we have basically an orchard sounds a little bit excessive we have a few apple trees um in the field or in my parents sort of garden so what I do is I pick these apples I'd like wrap them up in a little bag and I would put them on the side of the road and I'd make little apple signs out of like um an old bit of wood and like paint apples on and you'd think like oh my gosh who would like just buy apples randomly off the side of the road but a surprising amount of people ended up buying apples I can't remember how much I sold them for I think there were probably like six in a bag I think it was like maybe the same price as supermarkets are a little bit more expensive but I remember one summer I think I made about 40 pounds which for a kid like that is a lot of money like I mean it is a lot of money and I was surprised I was there was one person though I was very angry I was very upset um because I had like a little piggy mank outside and you know you could probably tell that it wasn't an adult selling these apples on the side of the road and somebody stole all my apples and stole all the money that was in the piggy bank like every day I would get off the school bus or I'd come home and I'd um you know check if the money was in there I mean I did it over the summer as well but apples kind of grow in the like autumny kind of time summer autumn so it was kind of when I was going back to school again um I'd get off the school bus and straight away I'd like check my little piggy bank um but yeah somebody stole all the money and all my apples so that was really sad but luckily it was only like a day's worth of money rather than you know I didn't just leave it there overnight every day um but yeah there we go I actually I remember saving all that money up and I bought a saddle pad for Mickey so that shows how long ago it was because I was riding Mickey back then um little boy is um retired now he's a little bit older I often get asked quite a lot like why Mickey's retired but basically long story short is he has lots of different health problems and me and the vet were like you can keep him in work but I think it's best like he's just not ridden I think most of it was due to his feet after having an outbreak of laminitis but he's got Cushing's he's got a respiratory problem he's got skin condition he's that boy has got so many things wrong with him but he's going well he's doing well he's living his best sort of YouTube horse life but yeah there we go and then um another so I'm gonna call it a job and talk about it in today's episode just because it's quite interesting um especially for any of my younger audience that's listening and wants to do this so I did something called my um the Young Equestrian Leaders Award so I used to work at my local riding school but obviously I did it for free because um it's like a volunteering kind of thing where you volunteer and help the local sort of equestrian community and then um you have this little booklet and you get signed off for each session you do and how many hours you do and when um you build that kind of up I think I did 
I can't remember if I did my gold or not. I definitely did my bronze and my silver, um, which is really good to do because you can, I'm pretty sure you can get UCAS points for it. So if you're from like a different country, basically it's points that go towards if you're maybe applying for college or university, it like looks good on your resume. Um, so I did that. And also one of the other reasons why I did that, I did my Duke of Edinburgh award. Um, again, I'll explain what that is for people that aren't in the UK. So the Duke of Edinburgh award is an award that um, a lot of people, I think it's, people that are around like the age of 15 16 you can do like there's different levels as well there's bronze silver gold gold one is very extreme I think my brother did that actually which is very cool he's going to Buckingham Palace um so if you do the gold one you get invited and I don't know I have to ask Max once he's been what it's like what they do but that's pretty cool I remember when I did my bronze I got like a little badge and you get like a little signed certificate um so what that involves is it's such a long time ago now that I did it I'm I'll try to get all my facts correct um you had to do the main thing that most people think of it is the expedition so um you do a practice one and then you do a real one and you have to walk so many miles using a map and a compass like finding your route um you have to camp you have to um I think you have to maybe take some photos or something um you have to um, make a meal as well while you're camping you can't just have like pot noodle you know it has to be like a proper like campfire meal that you make um so there's like yeah that's the expedition my brother's expedition I think was a little bit more extreme than just you know one night in a tent that was like a full-on week or something just you know ca- and you had to carry everything as well you have to have um yeah what's it called your tent you have to have your little gas canister and your well not your fire but the thing that you cook your food on um and everything like that which is quite heavy um luckily I was in a team I think there was between the three girls I think we, we had three girls and two boys in our team so we had quite a big team and we managed to like separate the weight of the two tents between the um five of us and that was really that I honestly had so much fun like that was such a funny I feel like bronze is like a good level of kind of chilled but funny like if something goes wrong it's not the end of the world it's normally okay but my brother's one was like going up a mountain and stuff which is a bit more extreme I didn't end up doing the bron- the gold one in the end because no I had quite a small year group when I was in my last two years of school which is normally where you do the gold one nobody else wanted to do it so I was like okay I'm not gonna do it on my own or with like a different school with like random people I'm not that brave so um and then yeah Another part of the Duke of Edinburgh award is you have to log so much of doing like a sport or some sort of physical activity. So obviously I did riding and my riding instructor signed off the thing to make sure that I did so many hours of horse riding. Um, And then there's another section, which is community service. So a lot of my friends worked in charity shops or volunteered in charity shops um, or different ways to give back to the community. So for my one, I... um, worked at my local riding school and I volunteered helping like the kids with riding lessons tacking up mucking out that kind of thing um so I also when I did my Duke of Edinburgh award I also got all the hours that I did volunteering signed off for my yellow or my young equestrian leaders so if you are um an equestrian and you know you're not doing much in over the summer and you've got some time to volunteer I'd really recommend um doing something like that especially if like maybe your local RDA group I wish I could have kind of wish I went there I feel like my time probably would have been better there than just the local riding school although I do have like a there's a close place in my heart to my local riding school it was really nice going back actually because I was about 15 at the time and last time I rode at that riding school I think I actually had a few lessons after I had Mickey 
but it was when I was looking for Casper because I wanted to, I, I was kind of outgrowing Mickey and I wanted to see what it was like to ride like a bigger horse. So I actually had a few lessons there on some of their like bigger horses just to kind of see what it was like because, you know, a step up from a 13 hand pony to a 15 hand horse is quite big even though Casper's technically a pony but he's like an over he's weird he's like an overgrown pony because technically his breed is a Connemara so he's a pony but he's the height of a horse because he's 15 hands um so there you go the more you know um anyway um so yeah it was actually really nice going back to that local riding school because um obviously all the instructors were kind of the same so I knew them and they're like oh my gosh you've grown up so much um and also it was really lovely seeing all the ponies like they had still had quite a few of the ponies that I learned to ride on so it was actually really nice when the instructors would be like oh can you go and get like toffee up from the field I would know who toffee was so that was really sweet kind of seeing the childhood ponies that started off my journey riding and you know, that's how I got into riding. The local riding school would literally ride past my house and I pointed out the window to my parents being like, I want to ride horses, please. Um, after many years of begging because they were like, I do not want my child to get into this sport. It is way too expensive. Um, it's very dangerous as well. Um, but no, my parents love it now. My parents have actually, I'd say my dad has become more of a horse person than my mum coming from a non-horsey background. The other day, it was actually so sweet. My dad just every now and again goes up to me and be like, thank you for bringing horses into my life. It's very sweet. Anyway, so it was really lovely working at that local riding school. Um, it gave me a lot of experience in like the equestrian world as well. Um, and also I did a lot of leading. So I was kind of like leading and um, teaching like young equestrians. So that was really nice to sort of give back to the local community. Um, and then we're going to go on to my actual first ever and only time that I've been employed. So when I was 16, I um, was very lucky to get a job at the local vet's practice. And um, the reason actually how I kind of got the job slash knew the job was up for... I was gonna say up for sale and it's, that's not how it works um they were looking for somebody to be in that role or that position was the vet that actually comes and sees us we know quite well but because I feel like the vets always kind of remember us because we're the family with the donkeys and not many people I mean people do have donkeys but especially when it comes to equine vets you're not gonna forget you know the yard with the the difficult donkeys because our donkeys when my parents first got them were a little bit on the feral side like they just hadn't been handled that much by humans so um but also his daughter that was currently doing the role that I got the job for um she was moving off to university so she couldn't do the job there anymore and um I'm pretty sure she went to go and be a doctor or something medical and maybe did some like um what's it called sitting in with my mum because my mum is a doctor and like work experience kind of thing so um and then he was like oh like you know she's done that is me I was saying that I was thinking of being a vet which is quite funny like kids swapping what their parents want to do but the same way around anyway you know what I mean <laughs> so um because I was interested in being a vet at the time so they were like oh like we've got this job at the local vets like the small animals practice in the local town um and I know that Esme goes to college or school in that town would she be interested in working there so um went and did my interview which I was honestly like so nervous for I don't know why I think because it was like my first proper time doing something as an adult if that makes sense um I don't I think I was like learning I hadn't even no I was 16 at the time so I didn't even know how to drive so I proper you know I just finished high school or secondary school 
was in my first year of college and everything started it that's the sort of age where you kind of basically go from a child to an adult and you're kind of going through that phase where you still feel a little bit like a child but you're becoming an adult and everything's a bit weird but anyway um so I remember being really nervous about that even having like a little bit of a stress dream beforehand um but yeah obviously did well in the interview I think it was good that I had all that past experience working with horses that I could talk about about when I volunteered at the riding school so if you're younger and you know that's also really good for future job job application showing that you're responsible that you've um volunteered or worked somewhere else before so that was really good um got the job obviously um before I start talking about my time working there all of the patients all of the animals people that kind of thing I'm going to keep confidential for legal reasons not that there's anything bad that I'm going to be talking about but just because of patient confidentiality that is a long word for my dyslexia because of patient confidentiality I don't want to upset anybody or anything like that um but yeah no I had a really lovely time while working there it was really nice because I started pretty much as soon as I finished finished um studying at college so I just walk down the high street go down um so yeah sorry my job my job role which you probably I haven't even talked about yet um so I was called a kennel maid or a kennel girl um which is kind of like the bottom of the the levels that there are working at vets so um I basically did all the very mucky dirty stinky kind of gross jobs um but I actually really enjoyed it I um did lots basically my routine kind of when arriving was normally I'd like check all the kennels make sure there was like no poo or wee or that kind of thing and then I'd change the beds put some stuff on on the washing machine did lots of sweeping lots of mopping lots of spraying of surfaces cleaning everything down I actually quite enjoy cleaning I find it very satisfying I mean I can't lie the job that I was doing is definitely not a job that I would have wanted to do for the rest of my life so it was really nice to have like a sort of part-time job like that because I feel like it really does make you it really makes me appreciate the job that I do now 100% but also I feel I felt like it made me um went to study hard in my exams so I could do well in life and um get a good job when I was older so that was nice um but yeah there were some days would be better than others I remember coming in and I think I'm not going to talk about anything gory in this because I know some people get really squeamish with things. But there was there was one time where I walked in and it was just like some I think a dog had nicked something or there was just there was a lot of blood everywhere. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of mopping up to do. And then there were other days where they would have like a really I was going to say an easy day. I feel like no day working at a vet's practice is easy so yeah my heart goes out to all the vets and vet nurses and um or even doctors and um nurses as well like the job that they do is really really difficult so well done to you guys my heart goes out to you but on one of the days where it was maybe a little bit quieter at the vets practice um I came in and it was honestly like the best day ever like this was my best day the vet nurses had they had like a bleach day where they kind of like just bleach everywhere so it's like a full kind of like clean um so that that had all been done so I had like not really any much cleaning to do in that sense and what I got to do instead was there was a I think that I can't remember I can't remember if it was a c-section and that's why there were loads of puppies in but there were loads of puppies in for some reason and I got to wash them and that was so much fun like just giving puppies a bath like I was like, I'm getting paid to do this. This is great. Um, and then there'll be other days where it would be like vomit on the floor, poo on the floor, feces, everything. And I'll be like, yeah, 
uh, yeah, this is this is a lot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then some of the days would be really nice, especially if um, sometimes I'd work like later, if like emergencies came in, you never really were sure what it was going to be like. Um, those were probably, when it was like later, I, it's not that I struggled. I, it was just, I had a lot going on at the time because I was doing my A-levels or my exams and that kind of thing. So I was doing, had a lot of homework. I was doing a lot of revision and I was doing a lot of work as well, but I don't regret a minute of it. It was such good experience and it really made me see what it was like to work at a vet's practice and if that was what I kind of wanted to do because it is a, to do veterinary science or veterinary medicine at university, it is like a very big, an intense degree um because you're there for five years you have to be super intelligent for it as well and I did really well in my GCSE exams I'm pretty sure I got all A's and A stars and I was the first year to do like the numbered kind of ones and I got a seven in maths which if you I feel like if the people are going to be like if you don't do like grades like that they're gonna be very confused nine is like the best but that's like an a star star which is like almost impossible to get and then one is the worst and i'm pretty sure i got a seven in maths a seven in one of my Englishes, and a six in the other which i was very proud of myself for you know being dyslexic and getting that um english was probably the subject not that i struggled with the most i don't know i like some aspects of english i loved some i've struggled with a little bit more um but anyway back to working at the vets because <laughs> um, I was thinking of do being a vet for a while and that was kind of before I was diagnosed with dyslexia or like found out I had dyslexia like quite a bit later on um, like quite late in age I think I was like 16 17 so it was after I'd done my GCSEs um, GCSEs I found not easy but I think because I worked so 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 hard um it kind of got overlooked and I feel like with GCSEs if you work really hard you can get good grades but with A-levels like I worked so so hard um but a lot of it is probably a little bit more down to if you're just you know intelligent if that makes sense like naturally um and also when I was in I went it was when I was in primary school actually they it's not that they, they kind of like were like oh I think she might have dyslexia but not quite because like she's doing well at school and I think that was so it was kind of like brought up then but not properly so I think because I just you know it wasn't picked up properly at a young age it just never I didn't really find out until I was older so when I made silly mistakes which teachers would always tell me off for saying I was sloppy or I was lazy um it was actually you know, my dyslexia that I was struggling with. And that's why my reading age when I was younger was low, but you know, I was good at creative writing and all that kind of thing. So that bumped up my grades in other ways. But anyway, back to working at the vets. I was thinking of being a vet at the time. So that's why I was working there, as I kind of explained before. Um, but no, some days were very interesting. I remember one day I walked in and I was like, what on earth has gone on here? Because there was just like feathers and straw. There was like a fell on like tree, not a fell on tree, but there was like a branch with like leaves on. And I think somebody had brought their chicken in. And I don't know if the chicken had a little bit of a run around the um, consult room, which is like the best way. I, the consult rooms are kind of like, because I worked in a vet practice, obviously, where they had surgery and they had the consult rooms. They were kind of like the GP kind of family doctor rooms. That's how I'd describe it, but in vet terms. Um, so I'd clean those like right at the end of the day. I'd have to wait until the consults were um, finished with before I could clean in there. And also I did things like I'd restock quite a lot of the medicines. So I can remember 
quite a lot of the medicine and vaccine names and I'd restock the vaccines. Um, and then, yeah, the, the worst was probably cleaning out the um, chemical, not chemical waste, but like animal waste bins. That was a little bit nasty. I can, when Joey, actually, this is such a weird thing. When Joey had his injury and he was on like quite a lot of drugs and things um, and like painkillers and antibiotics, his poo smell exactly like those bins at the vets and it really transformed me back like you know scent scent is really connected to memories and things I was like oh Joey you smell like a vet's bins and that is not a compliment so um luckily Joey does not smell like that anymore I think all of the drugs are out of his system but his poos did smell like that for a good while um if you ever had a horse like that you'll know what I mean but yeah there was one rug and I was like that needs to go in the washing machine that is Oh, it yeah it ponged um but no I had a really good time a lot of, I was really lucky that if I I actually got to sit in for quite a lot of different um vet consults or watch surgeries um which was great because I like kind of wrote everything down and um so if I didn't end up deciding to go to vet school in the end but if I did then I could have talked about a lot of those experiences um when I was applying for university which would have been really really valuable um and all the vets were so so lovely I feel like probably when I worked there I was quite shy I think it's because I didn't really want to get in the way I mean I did ask quite a lot of questions and that's one of the things I always say to people when they ask me like oh like do you have any advice when it comes to riding and that kind of thing and I always say you can never ask too many questions and no question is silly like if you don't know the answer to something it's better to ask that question than you know do something wrong and make a fool of yourself or you know something like that so I always say, yeah, ask as many questions as you can. Because um, also there are lots of different ways of doing things in the horse world as well. Like, I feel like there's no right way to do one thing. I always say, you know, train the horse with the horse you've got in front of you. Some things might work for that horse, some things might not. And in the horse world, you never stop learning when it comes to the horses because each horse is different. So there we go. Um, but yeah, I felt like I felt like when I worked there, I was a little bit more on the shy side. I mean, I was, well, freshly kind of 16 at the time. So I was quite a shy person back then anyways. Um, but no, it was really nice like talking to all the vets about what it was like to be a vet and all the vet nurses as well. Um, I could definitely see that it was quite a st high stress, high pressure job. Um, and I'm, I think looking back now, I'm glad that I didn't go down the vet route, not because I don't think I would have enjoyed it, but I don't think it would have been the right job for me, especially... I think I would have struggled a bit with my dyslexia. I think I've, I'm like, I, I don't know. I think I would have found it hard in different places. Like I can just imagine myself like making a silly mistake like I would do in like my maths where I'd write down the wrong number or put something in the wrong place. And imagine if I like gave an animal the wrong amount of medication or the wrong amount of something because I accidentally like in my brain thought a five and wrote down a seven and gave it seven. Like, I don't know that would scare me a little bit um but no it was really really nice when working there um now we're gonna probably go on to some of the more I was gonna say horror stories not really horror stories just like funny slash scary stories at the time so um we'll start with a funny one this wasn't actually at the vets practice that I worked at it was actually at a different practice where I did my work experience so I'm pretty sure they still have this in the UK where when you're about 
I think it's when you're doing your GCSEs or maybe the year before that. I think I was probably like 14, 15 at the time. You have a week off school where you get to work somewhere as work experience. So I worked at a different local vet's practice. And um, I remember on the first day, I think it was actually one of the first consults that I sat in on. um, It was a pug and the pug had to have its anal glands done. And um, I thought I was out of the way. The vet thought I was out of the way. Um, Don't know what happened. But when the pug's anal glands were pressed and emptied, um, the direction (laughs) they went literally went all over my top, all over my face. And it was like, yep, welcome to veterinary. (laughs) It's a bit of a messy job. Um, So, yeah, I remember the rest of the day. I actually felt quite cool because I got to wear one of the like vet nurse kind of scrubs rather than just like the polo top that I had on. So I was like, yeah. I work here. I'm a vet nurse, that kind of thing, even though, you know, I was just sitting in there kind of watching and looking at all the cute animals. Um, there were some like very like harder days that were really tough when working there and you have to be quite a tough person. Um, I remember there was a bag of kittens. I'm not going to talk about too many like sad stories, but there was a bag of kittens that somebody had just dumped on the doorstep, rang the doorbell, ran away, that kind of thing. And, um, there were a few of them that unfortunately didn't make it in the end so that was really sad of course while I was there saw quite a few different animals be put down for different reasons often luckily most of the ones that I did see were animals that had lived a very long and happy life and it was just the end of their life and they were suffering quite a lot of the pain that they were going through um it was quite lovely seeing all the sort of owners on their animals because we didn't really, I don't think we called them owners when I worked there. I think we called them their parents, which was really sweet. So um, I remember when Joey went to the um, vets, he wasn't Joey, he was like Joey Higgs and I was his like parent, which was very sweet. But anyway, he's my baby. But no, um, I saw lots of other different things as well. Loads of success stories, which was really lovely to see. Um, my favourite was probably seeing like, c-sections just because I loved seeing all the puppies and kittens afterwards which was really sweet obviously it was sad when unfortunately there were some that didn't make it um we're now going to go on to a story which I well I found scary the vets found it hilarious but um so I once one day I was you know mopping the floor as you do and um I I as you probably heard from one of my previous episodes like I like when I get into something not I'm not I feel like I'm as I said before, I'm not a violent person, but when I get into something and I'm like proper doing it, like when I was painting the ceiling, like I was painting that ceiling hard. I was obviously, I was scrubbing really hard at this stubborn stain or something on the floor and I was scrubbing it and suddenly I slipped and my mop knocked this heart monitor off one of the kennels onto the ground and um, it unplugged and I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna, I've just killed this animal. I'm a murderer. Oh, like I was freaking out, and I was like, I shouted from all the vets, like, "Oh my goodness, I'm really sorry. I knocked this heart monitor thing off, and like I tried to put it back on." And then he was like, "Don't worry, there's batteries in them in case that happens." I was like, "Oh my gosh, this animal that was on like life support, I thought I just, you know, ended it." So that was um, one time where I was like, "Okay, Esme, this is a very serious job." I mean, I was very serious and very professional when I worked there, but I was like, "Oh my goodness." Um, yeah, that was very scary. I, yeah, realised how much responsibility, you know, these vets and vet nurses have. Um, 
Another funny story was luckily I'd actually been work. It's not as bad because I've been working at the vet practice for a long time. And often I remember the, the week's work experience I did. They made sure that the first sort of surgery or when I was in theatre for the first time, I got to I had like somewhere that I could sit down in case, you know, because obviously they probably get quite a lot of um, students in or people, not even students. You like if, if you were fainting at this, then you probably wouldn't be cut out for veterinary medicine. Um, but people that were doing like work experience, there would always be a chair there in case someone fainted. Because um, some people are quite squeamish when it comes to stuff. Again, I won't talk about too much squeamish things. Um, but anyway... I was in a consult room, so it was literally nothing squeamish at all and no blood, nothing, you know, not even talking about like anything gross. And I was in a consult room and this is really awkward because it was this family being told their dog had diabetes. I'm pretty sure it was diabetes or maybe it was cancer. It was some something really sad that this dog was going to have to live with for the rest of its life. And they were talking about the medication that it needed to be given and how it needed to be given this medication and I think that day I don't know if maybe I hadn't eaten enough I mean I do have quite low blood pressure although I've never fainted before touch wood like I'm not a superstitious person but I have never fainted before and I like I don't know what fainting feels like but this is probably the closest I've ever been to fainting and I remember standing in this consult room being like oh my goodness I feel a bit lightheaded and then it was kind of like almost like a kaleidoscope, just like the edges started of my vision started getting narrower and narrower and darker and darker. And I was like, oh, this is going to be really embarrassing if I faint. This is going to be really embarrassing if I faint. And I was like, what is worse? So I remember just like kind of not stumbling, but kind of just like leaning onto the wall, holding onto the sink on the side and being like, oh, no. What's worse, me fainting and causing an absolute scene while this family is being told that their dog has this um, life-threatening illness or um, I just run out and look really rude and really awkward. Um, And apparently I did go a little bit pale and a little bit green um, because I think in the end I just decided, I just went... I'm really sorry I don't feel very well I'm gonna leave I just like ran out the door and um went and sat like round where all the like office was and chat like not chatted but I kind of like sat down and they were like oh Esme you you okay you look a you look a bit green or a little bit um pale and yeah they went and got me some orange squash they got me some biscuits and um I I was fine after that I had some biscuits and it was all good but I remember all the vets like taking the mick out of me like we had quite a bit of banter when I worked there and they're like oh was it like a bit too much for you were you feeling a little bit faint were you a bit queasy and I was like no it wasn't anything to do with me being at a vet's I just felt faint for actually I felt faint one other time and that was also a very awkward I feel like I don't know what it is whenever I felt faint it's always been a very awkward situation it was in an assembly at school we're all sort of like sitting in the church listening to I'm pretty sure it was an assembly about like the local air ambulance and they were like raising money for it and talking about how important air ambulances were and they were talking about some like they were talking about a really important bit where they were talking about saving someone's life because I was one of the older ones I was standing at the back because it was quite a small church and there weren't you know many seats for everyone to kind of sit in and I think it's yeah just me standing up for a long period of time I think all the blood just 
goes from my head um it was and yeah I just remember the same sort of thing happening and me feeling like oh my goodness oh my goodness like I'm gonna faint like I feel really and yeah I just decided to sit down on the floor it probably looked really rude that I just got and sat down um when everyone else was kind of standing up because I remember kind of being in the front of the kind of body of people where everyone was standing up it probably looked really rude but that that is um a tip in life if you feel like you're gonna faint it doesn't matter if you look rude it's better than you know fainting and cracking your head open or something or landing on a dog in a vet's practice so there we go that was yeah one of the probably most awkward stories or embarrassing stories um when I was working there there were lots of like other little stories of different things that happened but um I remember when I worked when I was working at the vet's practice that was kind of when my YouTube started taking off it was in the year that um I worked there was the year that I went from 10,000 subscribers to 100,000 subscribers and I remember when a few of the vets kind of found out about my channel um because I remember one of them was like oh Esme I heard you make videos on the internet and they sounded quite concerned at first they're like what 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 videos do you make like I feel like when I did YouTube like yes there were people that did social media as a job but it wasn't like a cool thing to do um there were definitely two different sides of the internet and I am definitely on the more wholesome side um but yeah so they were very concerned about what videos I was making on the internet I was like no 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 I make videos about horses and they were like oh okay um but yeah back when I started doing YouTube as a job nobody really wanted to be a YouTuber or wanted to be a content creator or the word influencer now which I hate it makes my skin crawl I don't like being called an influencer that's not like what I do I always like just said to myself oh I'm a YouTuber that's kind of what I was until 2020 when TikTok kind of came around and there's so many different social media platforms now that you kind of have to be on if you do if you are a content creator but I prefer to say content creator because that's what I do I create content that's my main role in my job is um providing entertainment and that sort of source rather than I feel like influencer sounds very more salesy and very more like you come and buy my stuff that I've been given to show you because that's how I make money by selling things to people when for me it's definitely more about the creation of content um but anyway um when I was a YouTuber I was like oh yeah like I'm a YouTuber and obviously there was like a few people that did YouTube as a job um like back in the day like everyone had heard of like Zoella and PewDiePie and that kind of thing um but I never thought you know being a horse content creator or YouTuber was ever possible because I just didn't think that it was such a niche sport. I didn't think that enough people would be like A, l- like riding horses or just like horses in general. Um, and B, would watch my videos. So um, back when I worked at the vets, I started earning a little bit of pocket money from YouTube. And um, I actually, even when I started earning more money from YouTube than I did at my minimum wage it was probably actually not below the minimum wage because that's illegal, but because I was 16 at the time, it was below the minimum wage for an adult because I was technically a child at the time when I was working there. So don't worry, it was all legal. But um, yeah, minimal amount of money possible I was paid, I'm pretty sure. Um, although I did get paid for overtime. So if I did get, I like, had to stay late because there was an emergency that came in or anything like that, I'd just write down a little book and uh, they'd add that onto um, my salary. But anyway, so um, yeah, when I was... You, I was like yeah I do YouTube kind of for fun I make videos about horses and that kind of thing um and I remember like talking to them every now and again and um I think that 
I, I a lot of people ask me like when did you decide okay yeah YouTube's gonna be your job that's what you're gonna do and I feel like there was never like a point like my whole life I, I was like kind of had my mind or my life pla- planned out to be like work really hard at school go to university get a really good degree so I can then get a really good job and that kind of thing um so that's just kind of like was set in my mind like that's what I wanted to do kind of thing and then like YouTube came around and I decided you know what this this YouTube thing like this is my passion this is what I think about when I wake up in the morning and what I think about when I go to bed um it like when I wasn't working at the vets or even when I was working at the vets actually when I was kind of just like mopping away you know when you your brain kind of you have your like mindfulness time and your brain just kind of thinks of things I was thinking of video ideas and um what things I wanted to create and that kind of stuff what photos I wanted to get for Instagram and um that's like kind of just what my brain was thinking 24 7 which pretty much still does now but um that was kind of when I realized like I had a lot more passion for that than I would have being a vet and I feel like because being a vet is such a intense um you know just degree life everything I realized that actually this YouTube thing that I'm doing is really what I want to do in life so I had a gap year to see what it was like being as a job full-time if I could kind of make it in that sense and then the pandemic happened so um I decided in the end you know what I'll haven't I'm really enjoying doing YouTube I don't know if you know going to university in the middle of a pandemic like it sounded very scary if I really wanted to do that I didn't know I didn't want to be a vet and then I realized I didn't really know what I wanted to do if I did do a a degree I think looking back something that I get asked most is what would I have done if YouTube wasn't a thing because it it wasn't a thing a few years ago to be honest as being a job um I think I probably would have done veterinary physiotherapy so I would have done a physio degree first and then I would have specialized um you can go to some um you can go to some universities where I think it's maybe like a year or two and then you can specialize in equine or canine so it would have been quite cool working like a dog hydrotherapy pool um which kind of links into the last episode I did actually um or doing um equine hydrotherapy or I don't know just something I decided that I'd rather work with rehabilitating animals rather than saving their life because it would be less stress and less pressure and also it would be more flexible work hours I around that age decide realized that I'm really bad with late nights I don't I think I would have really struggled having to wake up in the middle of the night for an emergency or something like that which I probably would have had to do if I was a vet um so there are lots of different like aspects to lifestyle that you also need to think about when picking a job or choosing what job you want to do when you're older kind of thing um but yeah no YouTube definitely wasn't I feel like it's very much a job that I think they did some study that if you ask most school children what they want to be when they're older they often say like content creator or influencer when when I was at school and doing YouTube um I was bullied for doing YouTube and I was made fun of I don't know if that's a thing now because I feel like everyone has a TikTok and everyone posts TikToks and everyone kind of wants to or posts on Instagram wanting to get brand deals and all that kind of stuff when for me I just posted stuff because I really enjoyed it I enjoyed the sort of community that I had in the equestrian world like I'd talk to other people about horses and I think my friends quite enjoyed that because I was that girl that would talk about horses all the time so I had my like internet friends that I talked to about horses or my YouTube channel that I talk about horses too um but yeah I felt I like I remember at school like just people being like oh my gosh oh my like there was this there was this one boy that came up to me and he was like 
oh my gosh, Esme, I heard you have like a YouTube channel. That's so weird. And then he was like, how many subscribers do you have? And I was like, a thousand. <laughs> I think that was when I just started year 11 at school. I just hit like a thousand subscribers over the summer. So, which back then, I mean, it is still very, very impressive and very good milestone. But if he said, oh yeah, I have a thousand on TikTok now, people would be like, like, no, like literally anyone can get like a thousand on TikTok, like calm down kind of thing. Like TikTok, you could post one video and it blows up and like too many, two million people could see it. But nobody's going to remember it if it's like a three second video. Like that's, you know, th there'll be another thing that blows up and another thing. So to gain like a YouTube audience where a thousand people are regularly watching your videos and have clicked that subscribe button, that back then and still is now I'd say YouTube is probably the hardest platform to grow on um but once you've got that audience you know that you kind of have that audience for life like I, I still watch YouTubers that I used to watch I was gonna say 10 years ago that's probably right but maybe a bit less I think it was about 2013 2014 oh my gosh yeah it is 2023 now actually <laughs> I was thinking it was 20, 2022 still oh my goodness time does fly but yeah I feel like I just started YouTube when it was definitely not a normal job. Um, I remember a lot of people being really concerned that I decided to have a gap year or decided to go to university. But um, I knew in my heart that this is what I wanted to do. And I was going to work as hard as I could to make sure that I could try and achieve the dream that I come up with. And I'm very lucky to say today that I'm still doing that dream. I'm still doing the job that I love so much, which I honestly like could not thank all of you enough you are the reason that I'm doing this um but yeah there we go that is pretty much my I was gonna say life story not quite that's I've I have kind of done that on my YouTube channel I did my like YouTube and writing story which is pretty similar there's, but that's kind of how how I decided to do this as a job which is, I know is a very weird job I feel really bad for my boyfriend every time like people ask him like oh what does your girlfriend do and he has to like kind of explain to people like what I do it's like even I don't like doing that imagine having to do that for someone else like I'm it sounds really bad but back when I was in my gap year like if someone asked me oh what do you do I'd just be like oh I'm on my gap year I didn't want to be like oh I'm a YouTuber this is not really like I don't know like now I feel like I just say I work it depends who I'm talking to like if I'm talking to a farmer or someone I'm just like oh I work in the horse industry or the equine industry or I just say I work in media because being like oh yeah I'm a, I don't know it's just it took it took a while for like my grand actually my grandparents kind of understand what I do now but if you talk to like older people a lot of people are like girl what you, you make videos on the internet that sounds a bit sketchy like what, what are you doing what are you doing girl but anyway thank you very much for watching my videos listening to my podcast because yeah I wouldn't be here without you but um yeah I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode um I really enjoyed having a little chat about kind of almost reminiscing on the past and I feel like life goes by so quickly now when you think about it and how different my life is today compared to how it was a few years back so yeah thank you very much for listening I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you all next time bye